before I get into this week's episode, I just wanted to talk about a couple of bits of news. The first is that I have a new website, stevecookfiction.com. The podcast can be found there, along with a lot of the writing I've done since 2011. And of course the podcast can be found on my YouTube page. Just go to YouTube and search for Pocket Fiction. Also, I'm always looking for people to collaborate with. If you have a short piece of fiction, about a thousand words, and you would like it read on Pocket Fiction, please get in touch. Thanks, and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to Pocket Fiction by Steve Cook. Which, a standalone short story. Jerry stroked his wife's raven black hair as she hugged him tightly. It'll be fine, he whispered. It's tonight, though, for both of us, Alice said, her voice partly muffled by his shirt. It's not going to work. It will work. He stepped back away from her comforting warmth, and the two of them looked down at the baby sleeping in its crib. It has to. For our child. The suburban house they lived in was modern, all white walls and Ikea furniture. The amber streetlight that crept around the edges of the curtains shed plenty of light to see by, and for long hours Jerry and Alice sat in the darkness of the nursery, watching, waiting. But as the old grandfather clock, an heirloom from Jerry's grandmother, began to whir and chime the hour, he looked around anew. Darker shadows seemed to have gathered in the corners, and the light had a more muted quality. Jerry reached out and touched Alice's knee, startling her out of a half-doze. It's time, he said. The last few chimes echoed through the house, and Jerry stood to meet the visitors. Farah was the first to arrive. She rent open the fabric of the world, as easy as sliding a window open, and stepped through into the corner of the room. Now, as he had so long ago, Jerry wondered at how close to his idea of a witch she appeared. Hunched back, dressed in an all-encompassing black robe with a warty hook nose that poked out from beneath her hood. She carried an old besom broom, something he'd never seen in real life, much less used. As the swirling vortex of energy closed behind her, the witch opened her mouth, her voice a broken, scratchy thing. The day has come, Jeremiah Winston Duke. Yes, Jerry replied. He was about to add something else when a movement in the other corner caught his eye. Alice clutched at his arm, her fingers claw-like. Another tear in reality was forming, and from out of it strode a tall figure. Alice and Jerry had talked about this often, once the secret was out. While Jerry's mental image of a witch came from grim fairy tales, Alice's was something taller, sleeker, straight-backed and dangerously beautiful. She carried a staff, black with a huge ruby at its crown, an ice queen with steel eyes and a cutting stare that made you feel as if you were an inch high and made of dirt. Good evening, Zelda, Alice said, and Jerry's heart burned with pride at how quietly confident she sounded. Zelda inclined her head and when she spoke, her words were crystal clear, accentless. The time has come for the end of our bargain, Alice Duke. 
She drew herself up and gestured with her staff, about to say something. Farah got there first. What? Zelda? What in the seven hells are you doing here? The two witches stared at each other from opposite corners of the room, eyes narrowed. Farah, why do you intrude on this meeting, sister? Me? The old witch spluttered out a laugh. <laughs> this is my meeting. This mortal man promised me something a long time ago. The life of his firstborn son, in return for the power to speak and understand any language. It was true, of course. Jerry worked for a bank as a translator, a very highly paid job. For years it had allowed him to live the high life, drinking, hooking up with whoever he wanted, buying whatever he wished. That had all been before Alice, before their love had blossomed. She had changed him, burned out the wickedness inside him a piece at a time and let him discover that the simple things in life were good. When they thought they couldn't have children, they had wept together. And when Alice had fallen pregnant, despite all, hope and despair had warred in their hearts. Impossible, Zalda said. She pointed at Alice. This mortal woman promised me the life of her firstborn son in payment for fame. Alice had been at one of Jerry's work soirees, a friend of a guest, star of stage and screen, it had all become too much. She'd just about been at breaking point when they'd met, the drink and drugs getting on top of her. She'd kept his number, though, called him from the clinic when things were at their worst. It had been a wake-up call for both of them. The child is mine, Farah said, hobbling over to the crib. Out of the way, Zelda said, striding closer. Jerry cleared his throat. There is a problem. He gestured at them. Alice and I both made bargains with you. We both owe you our firstborn. Alice's arm slipped around his waist and he hugged her close. We've both had plenty of time to mourn our choices, foolish as we were. Our child belongs to you. But there are two of you, and only one child. Farah grinned, displaying a single grimy tooth in her gums. We could duel. Zelda's lip curled in disgust. I am not dueling you, sister, over a mortal child's life. Only because you'll lose. You always did, when we were younger. <laughs> the tall witch looked at her giggling sister for a moment, then turned her cruel gaze on Alice. You remember well the terms of the agreement we struck? Alice nodded. You get my firstborn son, and if I refuse, you take my life and the child. In return, the child will be safe from all harm, and live its life in your care to be brought up as your son. Jerry nodded as Alice spoke. It was the exact same agreement Farah had promised him. He'd pressed for more detail. It turned out witches gave up the ability to have children in exchange for their power. Their son would be an apprentice, an heir, spare parts, whatever she wished. Something about the way the world worked, wherever they came from, meant they couldn't just steal a baby. It had to be given freely, or bargained for. There's more, Jerry said. The bargain was to be completed on the third night of the child's life, at midnight. There was silence in the room as everyone eyed each other. We could cut the child in two! Farah said, drawing a knife from somewhere out of her robes. Her scrawny arms were twig-thin as she reared up over the cot. Zelda's hand shot out and grabbed Farah's wrist. No, the child is useless to us both, dead. 
Farah scowled and stowed the knife away. Then we take them, she spat. Sister, do you actually need them? Zelda shook her head. The child is what we came for. Killing the parents and leaving the child would be counterproductive. If you can't take what you want, I suggest you leave, Jerry said. Midnight is past and the bargain is expired. You dare! Blackness seemed to gather itself around Farah as she began to weave her hands backwards and forwards. You dare to challenge us! Jerry flashed a quick look at Zalda, but she was looking down at the cot, a curious expression on her face. Farah began to mutter, green flames flickering into being on her fingertips as she spoke her curse. Your son shall know eternal sadness. His loved ones will die. What he plants will wither. He will know neither peace nor good health. Nor will he bear children of his own. His achievements will be scattered to the wind. And he will die a penniless broken man. The emerald fire burned for a moment longer and then snuffed out. Farah slumped, looking suddenly old and betrayed. So say I. Alice looked at Zalda. And you, she said coolly, will you also curse our son? Zelda shook her head. I see no point. Come, sister. We are bested. With that, she turned and strode into a portal that blinked open, fading into the darkness beyond. Farah coughed up a glob of phlegm onto the carpet, then turned and hobbled off after her sister. The portal closed, and all was quiet. Jerry and Alice sagged against each other in relief. I wasn't sure, Alice said, but I knew we had to try. Zalda worked it out, though, Jerry said. She had to have done. And you're right, we had to try. Arm in arm, they looked down at the baby, still quietly sleeping despite the noise. For our daughter, 